This podcast is sponsored by What They Believe series, a docu-series exploring faith through conversations. If your congregation would like to share your history and spirituality, go to whatthebelieveseries.com to find out how you can participate. Visit now to find new episodes and learn about supporting this project. The views and opinions expressed during Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. Your dial is currently tuned to Eye on the Triangle at WKNC 88.1. Thanks for listening. I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1's Eye in the Triangle, and I'm currently speaking with Jacob Geller, a video essayist currently active on YouTube who discusses politics, empathy, and architecture in video gaming. Mr. Geller, thank you for coming on to Eye in the Triangle. Hi, Aaron. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure, really. So we called you on today to talk to you about SARS-CoV-2. With a lot of people stuck indoors and unable to really go outside to enjoy their usual hobbies, bars, restaurants, gatherings, concerts, that leaves them with a lot of free time on their hands and a lot of boredom. And boredom's a killer. So we wanted to know if you could recommend anything in the video gaming sphere. Yes. So this is very much my sphere, even before our current pandemic. But I feel like I've been preparing all my life to tell people what to do when they have to stay inside and not talk to anyone. So what I do is I make videos and put them on YouTube, and they're typically about video games. When people think of that concept, they usually think about someone kind of reacting live while they're playing a game, probably yelling a lot, maybe maybe not being a particularly mature entertainment. And so what I do is the same kind of media analysis that we've been doing to movies and music and books for years. I tried to do that with video games by kind of linking them to these broader societal topics. And then I write a script and I pretty tightly edit footage and music to that. And so they're almost like documentaries sometimes and sometimes like tone pieces. But the idea of a video essay is a very tightly curated piece of video content that I put up and say, you know, this is all I have to say on this subject. Excellent. Yes, uh, Mr. Geller, I've seen that you've done work on examining Call of Duty, a video game series about the American military and its operations at home and abroad, how it explores politics despite claiming to be apolitical, and I've also seen you do some wonderful work with music and sound design in horror games. But we're not talking about that today, we're talking about what individual games people can satisfy themselves with as they're stuck indoors. Yeah, so I have come here today with a spectrum of highbrow to lowbrow entertainment. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to kind of jump into all sides of that. Excellent. So what do you have for us first? So the first game that I want to talk about is this is kind of the thinky video game, and it's a game called Disco Elysium, which is available on PC and Mac and I think is coming to consoles relatively soon, although it's not quite there yet. Disco Elysium. I've played through that one myself. Interesting choice. Why have you chosen this one? Yeah. So Disco Elysium, there are visuals, but it is a text-based game in that everything is communicated to you through 
dialogue and options presented on screen, there aren't any, I'd say, gaming reflexes required for this. I know a lot of people sometimes are intimidated by video games because they feel like they have to act quickly or they have to kind of have the reflexes required to make a certain jump or something. Disco Elysium is not that at all. It's a game where you are playing a kind of drunk mess of a cop who wakes up and discovers that he is already kind of embroiled in a murder mystery and doesn't have any idea what's going on. And so you wander around a small town and you're talking to people and you're trying to figure out what's going on both with the case and with your own alcohol-induced amnesia. It's a really brilliant game that's incredibly funny, but also really heartfelt and speaks lovingly about these different types of cities you find them in. And it's also very political, which is something that I enjoy a lot. But if you want to, I think, take it on its face and maybe not apply it to the real world as much, I think you'd also be able to do that with this game. While the game is very text-heavy and reading almost like an interactive novel, the visuals that are there are stunning. You have these wonderful watercolor assemblages for many of the images. A lot of characters are kind of in an abstract style, and that's nothing uh, to speak of the, the thought cabinet that your character has following them, influencing their actions and how they explore the world. Yes, yeah, you have this really amazing gameplay system where as you're going through the game, you can kind of run across things that just spark a thought in your head. And then you can decide as a character to think about those things more. And as you think about them, they actually influence how you play. And it's this really interesting way of defining who you are as a character. One of them, for example, is Hobo Cop, where you pick up a bottle and then you're like, wow, I could just do this all day. And then if you think about Hobo Cop more, you see random things in the environment that you wouldn't have ordinarily noticed. And now you can apply to your character as this kind of like living on the streets man. And not only are you influenced by what you interact with in the world, you're also influenced by your own thoughts. It's the only narrative experience in any kind of medium. And I don't think it's a narrative that could really be conducted outside of video gaming where you can interact with in detail your own thoughts, your own prejudices, your own beliefs, and your own hopes, which all have uh, really well-written, defined characters as they speak in your mind. Yeah, it's interesting that this game does not have a ton of other people in the world who you interact with, but it also feels like it has dozens of characters because each of your individual emotions is represented as a character with a different voice, and, and different motivations and different kind of way of speaking to you. And sometimes you'll get into situations, your empathy is arguing with your like sense of authority, and both of them want you to do different things. And depending on which skill you focused on more, that can kind of be the way you take a situation. It's incredibly introspective in a way that I've never really seen before, where it externalizes all of the little introspections that you're doing on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. Exactly. And it's all bound up in this wonderful tone. It's just gritty, but not in the Western sense, in almost an Eastern European sense, which is kind of sad, kind of slow, a very gradual walk through the world around you, a world that is operated by forces that are largely outside of your scope, huge companies, union bosses, things like that, that you are just poking at from your position. It's clearly made by people who have a lot of kind of grievances with the world as they see it, 
but something that I love about it is that it doesn't lose the beauty of the world at the same time. You have this one sense that I just plugged all of my experience points into when I was playing called Shivers. And what Shivers does is while you're playing, you'll just get this kind of loose sense of things that are happening around you. And so you'll be talking to someone and then you'll just get this thought bubble that's miles away. The wind picks up and quiet little houses shut their shutters in preparation for a storm or something. And it doesn't it doesn't directly influence your character, but it gives you this incredible sense of all of the people living outside of your immediate sphere. And the game does so many things like that to just cement this as a world that people are really spending time and putting their passions into, even if they're really struggling at the same time. What kind of person who doesn't play video games would you recommend this to? I would say this is a good game for people who really like to read, because as I said, almost all of the game is communicated through text and it's really beautifully written text. <laughs> there's there's this idea with games sometimes that it's, you know, are you a bad enough dude to save the president? And then that's all of the, the writing the game gives you. But here there is a huge amount of different styles of writing, of prose and metaphor and whatnot. So I think if you're someone who just likes a good story and especially likes reading a good story, but maybe hasn't tried a game before out of the fears that I mentioned before, go ahead and jump into this one. And if you have already played games and you're looking for a new one, why is this Coliseum right for you? Because it's maybe the best written game I've ever played. So if... If you are someone who already has a love of this medium, I think Disco Elysium is kind of a point to the future of where games could go. If we got more games with this level of writing, I would just be unbelievably excited because it really feels like a standout now. And what I would love, it became just an industry standard. Everything was written like this. But right now, this is about the best this medium has to offer. Some may argue, but I do also believe that Disco Elysium is at the forefront of narrative design here. It builds communism, egalitarianism, corporate control, anarchism, even fascism, as all of these characters that you can interact with. Even centrism has fun poked at it here. But all of it's done in a really thoughtful and smart way that doesn't really feel like it strawmans any one individual concept. Yeah, also, I want to say again, because hearing how deeply the game was talked about actually kind of scared me off for a while because I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to get embroiled in this. But it is also so funny and so playful. It really walks you in gently to this world where at first you're just kind of playing this bizarre game where you can choose if you want to be a, a superstar cop or a sorry cop. And then once you're playing just because it's it's funny to see what's written next, you suddenly find yourself swept up in all of this. But it doesn't feel like a grand undertaking. It just feels like, of course, this is how it would be written. This is a game that pushed me in the AM regularly when I was playing it. Just trying to go further, see more of the world, see more of the characters, and just push ever onward on what it made. And that, I think that really makes it worth your time. And I mean, we have plenty of time right now, I can say that as much. If you feel like you just need to escape into another world for a while... This world is so fully realized and so legitimate feeling that I think it's 
I don't know if you would call it a vacation because there are plenty of things wrong with this environment too. It's a dirty place, yeah. Yes, but it's certainly it will certainly make you feel like you're out of the same three rooms that you've been living in for the past two months. For those who already play video games, Disco Elysium features one of the greatest subversions, as in kind of playing with the concept and turning it on its head, of a final boss I've, I've ever seen, and I'm not going to talk about it anymore because I want other people to enjoy the experience for themselves. Yes, I think we'll, we'll leave it at that. There is plenty of stuff to spoil in this game, but you shouldn't have any of it spoiled for you, and you should just just go and experience it for yourself. Definitely. What else do you have for us, Mr. Geller? Okay, so this next one is a pretty big departure from Disco Elysium, but I have been into for a pretty long time this idea of working out with video games. And one of my favorite games for a while has been the VR smash hit Beat Saber, where you're kind of, you're swinging your arms and you're hitting blocks and you're kind of dancing along to the music. But a couple months ago, I picked up the game Ring Fit Adventure for the Nintendo Switch, which is even more of kind of a workout regiment. And especially in these kind of days where I can go on my daily walk, but not much more than that, and certainly can't go to a gym or anything, Ring Fit Adventure has been a really fun way to kind of get my heart rate up and spend some time moving and also be a pretty fun game at the same time. So how did you gamify a workout? So what Ring Fit Adventure does is it gives you a resistance ring that you might use in various aerobic exercises. And it also gives you a leg strap and you put one controller in the ring and you put one controller in the strap. And then it can just take those two things and kind of give you a ton of different exercises to do. And so the very basic scenario puts you in is you're someone and you find a magic talking ring and both of you have to go and stop a bodybuilding dragon <laughs> which is which is a great setup for a video game but from there you run into all of these situations where you have to battle different enemies and all of your attacks are different workouts and so you might do damage against blue enemies by doing a bunch of squats or to hold a tree pose to damage a green one or something. And as you keep playing, you unlock more exercises that are often more difficult to do. And so it feels like it's kind of ramping you up a steady workout path, but you also have the motivation of just wanting to get stronger in a video game because that happens faster than in real life usually. Exactly, yeah. You can see the progress on the screen and you might not even notice what it's doing for you, but how strange a workout can this possibly be? It's a pretty good workout. They will do a sort of assessment on you at the beginning where you'll kind of run in place and you'll push in and out on the ring and it will decide your difficulty level that you should be playing as. You can turn that up and down. And I will tell you that a 30-minute workout on this game or a 30-minute play session of this game for me leaves me pretty exhausted. And certainly when I started, I thought that I was in pretty good shape because I did things outside and stuff. And I realized that, that there were parts of my body I just had almost never worked out. And so when it's asking you to do behind your head ring presses or something, I was like, I don't think I've ever used these muscles before. And so it's a great system to just target all these different parts of your body. And you might be great on some of them, but you're definitely not going to be great on all of them. And that's what I found kind of fun and surprising about it. So this is not a game you can marathon, I suppose. 
No, actually, there is. I have seen speed runs of this game in which people will play for like dozens of hours at a time and they end up almost unable to move at the end. But no, it's meant to be a game that you play for 20 to 30 minutes every day. And it's also a game that really wants you to play for a long time. And so I have been playing for months. I don't even think I'm near the end. It's not really a game about a story or reaching a conclusion. It's just exercising in a fun and interesting way. And so it provides you little rewards to get you to come back every day and it cheers you on when you hit a thousand of an exercise or something. But it's really designed to just be a daily thing. For those who have never really played video games before, who do you recommend it to? Yeah, I would recommend it to anyone who's missing maybe daily Zumba classes that they were going to, or if they liked going to the gym and feel like they can't do that anymore. I will say one catch with this game is that a lot of people have had the same idea that I had. So it's pretty difficult to find right now. It's not stocked on Amazon for very long. So you might have to win an eBay auction or something to get this, but it's really good at kind of introducing concepts to you in a way that doesn't feel like you already have to have video game literacy. I think it's built for kind of a more general audience. I would say if you played games on the Wii and really like the Wii, which I know brought in a bunch of new people to video gaming, this might be a similar experience to that. There was actually a Wii Fit in which you could get the Wii balance board. And this feels like an expanded and more exciting version of that game. Yes, it's important to note when you're picking up copies on eBay or online uh, that the game itself is not everything you need. It also has the peripheral, this ring that my guest has been mentioning, that you plug your controllers into in order to play it. So without that ring, you won't be able to play. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And so usually the normal copies of the game in which I was lucky enough to get one comes with everything. It is possible to buy it piecemeal, but you just have to maybe look up a guide on the internet first to just make sure that you're getting everything you need. Now, Mr. Geller, who would you recommend this to as far as people who already play video games? Do you know, I think this is a pretty different experience than most games, but most games are very sedentary. And as much as I love them, sometimes it means that I spend a long time sitting every day. And so I can't think of someone who I wouldn't recommend this to unless they already had a workout game that they were using. In, in which case, stick with what you like. But really, it's so different and it's so important, especially now, to kind of have something to get you moving every day that I think anyone who enjoys this hobby could probably use a little more movement in their life. And this is a great place to start with that. If you feel down in the dumps, an exercise can actually give you a surge of dopamine, give you a feeling of having accomplished something in your day, Give you a feeling of success if COVID-19 is making your life feel kind of gray exercise this game or without this game could really help you out that's right and it will also motivate you to take a shower afterwards because boy you will be sweaty and gross yeah might want to keep that hygiene going now mr geller you have one more game for us and what's this one yeah so one thing that i've been doing a lot especially now is since I can't see my friends in real life, I have been playing online games more than I typically do. Usually I like to kind of stick with single player games. I find them a little more rewarding, but multiplayer games are a great way to just kind of 
hang out and casually talk without the pressure of a Zoom call or something where you actually have to just be staring into each other's eyes the whole time. I know that I find that stresses me out a little. One game that my friend and I have been playing recently is Earth Defense Force, or EDF. And it is a game in which you are a soldier and you kill giant alien bugs and robots. And that's kind of the whole game. <laughs> this reminds me of some black and white B movies I've seen. Yes, it's it's a very weird game. It's a very Japanese series and it's been running for a long time. And so there have been many different iterations of these games. And really, it's just... It is totally a B-movie, you know, in that you are just a soldier with a rocket launcher or a machine gun or what have you, and there are just a million giant ants that you need to kill, and you'll probably accidentally knock down a city while you're doing so, or there are giant robots that are falling in from space and you need to shoot them until they fall over. You know, I've talked about how beautiful and interesting video games can be. This is kind of the opposite, in which it's a wonderfully mindless task where it's it's just active enough that you can't totally check out but at the same time especially because you can play with other people it's a great place to just hang out with your friends and you can both blow away ants while talking about your day or asking each other what they're planning to do once all of this ends it's a really nice kind of low pressure social environment. And that sounds weird, maybe, if you're not used to blowing away giant ants, but I promise it's not as high stress as it seems. Yeah, exactly. From what I've seen, a lot of the enemies crumble pretty quickly as you have damaged them. So most of the time, a lot of it is just seeing the, the incredible spectacle of what's going on. How many bugs can there be on screen? And by bugs, I don't mean issues with the game. I mean, of course, actual insects. How many buildings can you accidentally destroy with a barrage of misplaced rocket fire? Or what's going to happen next? What strange conversion of Japanese to English are you going to hear that gets a laugh out of you? <laughs> yes. One of the amazing things about this game is that it is played entirely straight. There's no sense that the game itself is in on the joke. And so you will have the most serious war generals and radio announcers being like, giant spiders, we thought we knew what was coming, but they keep surprising us. Yeah, I was playing that last night with my friend and we were like, well, it seems like giant spiders should have been pretty expected if you had just experienced giant ants. One of my favorite lines that I remember is the soldiers being like, human aliens? Aliens that look just like humans? As massive three-story frogmen are falling from the sky. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like a, a Mystery Science Theater 3000 vibe where you are allowed to take it completely as a joke, but the thing itself will always be incredibly serious, and that's part of the fun of it. And it's also one of the nice things is it's kind of just a game that goes on forever and doesn't really have defined start or stop states. So sometimes it's hard to play a game with a friend because you've played for a hundred hours and they haven't played for any and your characters are just too different to interact well together. But in this, because everything is so level-based and incidental, you can jump in with kind of anyone and just start shooting away. Yeah, there's no barrier to entry. You just find a person that you want to play with, you talk it out uh, while you're setting up, and then you go right in. Mm -hmm. It cannot be stressed that this game is junk food, but 
Before that sounds like a critique against the game, we eat junk food all the time. It is truly a junky comfort food game where sometimes you just want to not think about stuff and even your favorite TV shows are really violent or pandemic focused or something and you just want to get something that feels totally detached from our current reality and that is Earth Defense Force. You can only scroll through Twitter and watch the movie Pandemic enough times before you are just completely wired. It's nice to have a way to relax yourself. <laughs> it's weird to describe, you know, mountains of giant ants as relaxing, but it weirdly is in this circumstance. And some of the some of the weapons you get your hands on are just insane. Six rocket launchers strapped together that all fire simultaneously. Weapons that fire streams of bullets that are too close together to really make out to the point where it seems like a beam. And the enemies are these like really kind of schlocky UFOs that come down from the sky or hexagonal uh, giant motherships or even just Godzilla who's had the legal name filed off so we can make it into the game. <laughs> yeah, we described this as junk food, but I think another fun way to describe it is just kind of smashing all of your action figures together. They might not all be from the same playset, but you will get He-Man fighting Godzilla and an army of skeletons because those are the toys you had available. Another healthy thing, and it might not feel like it, it might seem like being as informed as you can be is the best thing to do for yourself, but think about your stress. Sometimes disconnecting from it all is a good idea. That's right. If only for a little while. Mm -hmm. For those who don't play games, how would you recommend EDF to them? Why should they be interested? Well, I would say that it's a great social space to talk to people and hang out with people that you haven't been talking to or interacting with that much. If you have a gamer friend, this is maybe a good thing to recommend to them that you can play together. Or if both you and someone else are looking to jump into something, this seems like a good, easy place to start. And if you already play games, why should you be interested? And if you already play games, why should you be interested? Because you fight 500 ants with a quadruple bazooka, and what's better than that? And uh, finally, a note. Unlike the other games that Jacob Geller has brought up here, EDF has a lot of variants, a lot of different numbers. It is a long-standing series. It's been around for, feels like, almost over a decade. Which game would you recommend out of the entirety of the series, to clarify things for our listeners? That's a great question, and it's made a little easier by the fact that they are all very similar. And so if there's only one for your console, I'm sure that will be great. I think the most recent release, Earth Defense Force Iron Rain, is actually not great. It's buggy in the bad way, not in the good way that these games usually are. The one that I've been playing with my friend is Earth Defense Force 4.1, which is a weird naming convention. But we both bought that for about $5. That's great. There's EDF 5 that recently came out. But I think whichever one is cheapest and most accessible for the platforms you own, that will do the trick. There's honestly not a lot of variety between the releases of this series. Any honorable mentions off the top of your head? I have plenty. Honestly, narrowing this down to three was challenging. I will say this is a great time to, if you're a gamer, go back and play games that you maybe bounced off of because you didn't have enough time to commit to them. The game Bloodborne, one of my favorite games of all time, but legendarily difficult. And I know a lot of new players get kind of turned off at the beginning because it requires such effort to get past the, the first part. But now... 
since you don't have anything else to do, go ahead and play Bloodborne because it's the perfect time to kind of immerse yourself in a really difficult game. Yeah, Bloodborne has a bit of a barrier to entry, but it is a beautiful, really well put together game with an excellent scoring behind it. Another great kind of set of games to play with, and I know a lot of people have been doing this already with their offices or their friend groups or whatever, are the Jackbox games, which are games that you kind of play, usually you play them on a TV screen and through everyone's phones, and I did them before this pandemic in very social situations, but now it's a really great game to play over Zoom or Skype or whatever, because everyone can have the same experience of playing a board game, games like Pictionary or their version of any game you can think of, really, but you can all be sitting in separate rooms and still kind of have a hilarious time. Jacob Geller, thank you for coming on Eye on the Triangle today. Do you have anything else you want to say before we close out? I don't think so. I was so happy to be here. I live in Durham, so this is a special thing for me too. And feels local, even though we're doing this interview <laughs> online as well. But yeah, it was really lovely to be on. And I guess if you are interested in what I've had to say here, and maybe you want to learn more about a side of video games you didn't know about, check out my YouTube channel. It's just called Jacob Geller. If you search that, it should pop up. Thank you for coming on, and I'm Aaron Kling with WKNC 88.1's Eye on the Triangle, and I'm signing off.